I will be playing my college football at the University of Drops to the 50, now steps behind the 50, runs to the right side of the 45, Wisconsin to the 40, throws it long down the field toward the end zone, Devin Smith, touchdown! Devin Smith, he's got it for a touchdown in the middle of the end zone. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Hello everybody, and welcome into Thinking Football University. This is our college football podcast here at Thinking Football Productions, and we'll be covering everything from recruiting and National Signing Day to breaking down game previews and how teams are doing throughout the season, all the way through, you know, who are the best draft prospects in this year's class, and everything in between in the weird world of college football. I'm Tyler. You might remember my face or voice from some of our previous content and live streams. That's Josh. You might remember him from our very first video, breaking down the top five college running back prospects from 2019. He's also the other half of our UK office. And let's jump right into it. Let's do it, man. I'm so excited for this. I've been waiting to get this started for a long time. I know uh, I know, we've been hinting at it for a little while now. And, and here we are, TFU. TFU's beginning. Uh, and, and we're going to kick it right off with an ACC preview and an American Conference preview. And uh, excited yeah. times, man. I'm excited for it. And before we get into that, we should address the big news in the college football world of Pat Fitzgerald being fired from Northwestern for a lot of reasons. But we're going to get into that probably next week during our Big Ten interview. Like you mentioned, this is going to be our ACC and American Conference preview. And I think we can just jump right into, you know, the state of the ACC. Yeah, sounds like a great place to start, and um, and it's a it's a slightly changing landscape, I think, um, or, or, or an open an open landscape. Uh, Clemson have been dominating it for, for for a number of the last few seasons. They haven't even been that consistent necessarily. They just have, have outmatched everyone that they that they seem to have come up against in the ACC, and. And, and now FSU, Mike Norvell and FSU are on a on a huge upward upward trend and could up, could upset things this year. Yeah, like you said, Josh, Clemson's won seven out of the last eight ACC championships with Pittsburgh interrupting them back in 2021 when they had Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. And Florida State, you know, they surprised a lot of people last year. They won 10 games. They did very, very well. But they haven't won an ACC championship since 2014 when back when they had Jameis Winston. And I think a lot of people are expecting this to be the year where Florida State finally dethrones Clemson. And I think the big part of the ACC that's changed this year, and I think a lot of people are excited for, is they're getting rid of divisions. There's no more Coastal and there's no more um, Atlantic. It's now just, you know, the best, the two best teams are going to the conference championship, which could leave us for an area of a rematch of Florida State Clemson if things are to break that way. But I think a great way to start right now is just taking a look at Florida State. Everyone's kind of expecting them to be the conference favorites. So let's just jump right into it. Let's do it. I mean, an 11-2 and two record last year and, and, and arguably, maybe not even arguably, the most entertaining offense in, in, in college football last year. Um, they got one of the top quarterbacks in the nation in Jordan Travis. Uh, they're a deep roster almost across the board. I think they need a little bit of help at linebacker. Um, but for the most part, they're an incredibly deep roster across the board. They've 
in a prime position to make a push for the ACC. They really are. Um, I think they've got the best O-line in the ACC. I think they outmatch Clemson almost at every single position on the offensive line. Um, they've got top running back in Trey Benson. They've got Johnny Walker, uh, Johnny Wilson, sorry, six, seven, five scores last year. Uh, the defense has eight returning stars. I, I just think they're in a, in a in a really strong position. Yeah, then that offense is it's going to be explosive. And you know, last year they started off a little a little mediocre. And pure like, is Mike Norvell on the hot seat right now? If you know he lost like one or two games, he might have been fired out of Tallahassee. But no, it really came down to just how well that offense executed. And with Jordan Travis really coming into his own, this is his third year as a starter now. He's really matured and become a great quarterback. And Trey Benson's a fantastic runner, transfer from Oregon. He could have left the NFL draft this past year, but decided to stay. Last year was his first full year as a starter, put up almost 1,000 yards rushing. I think a lot of people are expecting him to be a sneaky good pick as one of the top running backs in the NFL draft coming up. I know he's probably my favorite running back in the ACC, which is saying a lot considering Clemson has a really good running back as well and Jordan Shipley and then Johnny Wilson just how can you not love him it's like if a power forward is playing receiver Josh I'm not sure if you saw him play against Florida against University of Florida last year but every ball is just a jump ball to him and he was just out muscling all the corners he'd be in double and triple coverage doesn't matter just throw it up to Johnny Wilson just oop it up to him he's gonna come down with the ball and he will be that number one target for the Seminoles this year but my big question is, who's going to step up and be that number two receiver? You know, they lost Micah Pittman to the transfer portal. He goes to Utah, but he wasn't that much of a solidified number two. And they really didn't have a number two threat last year. So you'd like to see someone step up on that front. And who I'd like to see, me personally, is, you know, maybe is it Ke Keontae Pogge? Is it Winston Wright? You know, who, who will be step up and be Jordan Travis's number two guy? And it's a it, it, it's a really interesting question because there's a there's a few names on that roster that you feel like could could jump straight into that spot. There's a lot of talent there. It's just who's going to put the reps together when it when it matters. Um, on to Clemson. Move on to Clemson. Um, I mean, most teams would be thrilled with a with an eleven and three finish, nine and zero in the conference. But uh, but I'm not sure Clemson were too thrilled with uh, with how last year um, uh, ended. Uh, firing, firing the OC, bringing in, uh, bringing in Garrett Riley from TCU is a really interesting pickup. Uh, he's being brought in to revitalise an offense that's been a little bit, little bit stagnant compared to the Clemson offenses that we're used to. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see what happens there. Um, I, I like Kay Klubnik as the QB. I think he's going to put a really interesting season together. In the couple of big games he played at the end of the season, he put together some really good performances, some really good reps. So I think it's quite exciting times for um, for, for Clemson. They're bringing back seven stars on O, eight stars on D. So if they can get rid of some of the inconsistencies that they had with a young team, maybe some of the inconsistencies are slightly expected, not excuses, but we'll see. I think they're gonna be in a in a position to to, to really be pushing FSU. Um and and we'll get onto our predictions later, but but I I do quite like this Clemson roster this year. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say, you know, I think most teams would be ecstatic with an eleven three record and winning their conference, but for Clemson that's now considered a down year. They didn't make the playoff. They I lost. Get you fired. You know, yeah, that, that that that's that's putting Davo on the hot seat. It's insane that eleven wins is a bad season for Clemson, and you know their season was marred by having a blown out loss to Notre Dame at Notre Dame, getting upset by South Carolina in the final game at home, 
and then also losing your bowl game. Like it was just a tough, tough look for Clemson down the down the stretch. But I think they got off the they got off on the wrong foot with DJU playing way too long. But he's now gone. He transferred to Corvallis. Kate Klubnick steps in as the signal caller, and it's almost reminiscent of back in what is it, twenty seventeen, when Trevor Lawrence stepped in for Kelly Bryant midway through the season and then carried them to the playoff, or maybe it was 2018. Now you got that young freshman who will become a sophomore now, lead the offense. But the problem with this Clemson offense is, unlike the past few seasons, they don't have a go-to guy at receiver. They don't have that T. Higgins, that Mike Williams, that DeAndre Hopkins that we're so used to seeing on all these great Clemson teams. They don't have that guy. Will Shipley is the offense. Like He's just going to run the ball and get a bunch of yards. And I think that's what's going to stop Clemson from maybe continue their reign. They just don't have that dude or dudes on the outside. And it's it's one of the big reasons why the offense has looked stagnant in the last sort of couple of seasons compared to what we've been used to. They've really struggled to push the ball downfield as well as we've seen them do. And I mean, there's been some big shoes to fill at the quarterback position, which, which massively helps you push the ball downfield, obviously. But... It's a yeah, it's an interesting one for Clemson, but I do think they're going to be in quite a strong position this year with all of the returning, returning stars that they have. And the, I think the biggest addition, it's not a player. It's, as you mentioned, Garrett Riley, the brother of Lincoln Riley, coming in as a new offensive coordinator from TCU, where he turned that offense into just a points machine, man. He made Max Duggan look good. Like, that's, that's impressive. And the amount of points... Take away the championship game, you know... TCU is still a very, very good team that put up a lot of points. And it's going to be kind of fun to see Clemson running the spread, no huddle, tons of RPOs and vertical deep threats. It's going to be weird, not like we're used to, but it's going to be exciting. And, you know, going on to the defensive side of the ball, they got some big shoes to fill on that front seven. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 final four. Do you reckon they get into it this year? Do you reckon they, do you no. reckon they crack the Final Four? Don't think they crack the Final Four this year? No, not at all. Because um, there's too much too much questions on their team. You know, that defense is losing their top two rushers in Brian Brzee and... Um, so a lot of production gone. It's a lot of yeah. production on the offensive front gone. But they've got a lot of guys coming back and, and yeah. I'm not sure they crack the yeah, Final but Four, yeah, but... I do think they're going to make a huge challenge for the ACC with FSU. They're not giving this one up without a fight. That's for sure. Yeah. Miles Murphy is the other uh, name I was thinking of um, mm. where they lost. But, you know, who they replaced their, you know, two best D linemen with? Just the number three, six, and eight ranked D linemen coming in from the class. So I think Clemson will be fine at their defensive front. The back end was a good unit last year. It's just they lost Brent Venables. It was an adjustment at defense. So, yeah, I, I don't think they'll get into that that final four just because there's too many questions, too much inexperience overall. But, yeah, like you mentioned, let's just bounce on over to Chapel Hill and on to North Carolina. And how do we not start with, with Drake May? I mean, the, the arguably best player in the ACC this year is definitely going to be making a run for for, for, for that for that award um, 
I mean, lucky for UNC, they have him because they don't have too much else. Uh, they lost their two top receivers this year. Um, lost Josh, da- uh, Josh Downs in the draft. Um, but managed to add a few guys through the portal. They added three tight ends in the portal. Um, deep in the running back room in the portal. Um, the major thing hurting UNC, and this has been an issue for them the last couple of seasons, is the defence. The offence is going to put up points. The offence is going to be fine again. The defence just needs to not be as bad as they were last year. I think if UNC can push Miami, and we'll get on to Miami, but if UNC can push Miami to be that best of the rest in the ACC, if they can, they're, they're talent-wise on offense, they should easily be in that in that three spot. But last year, the defense, here's a few stats for the defense last year. Second, they were second last in yards allowed per carry. They were last in sacks, last in passing yards allowed, last in passing efficiency allowed. They may as well have not been there. They were, <laughs> they gave up every pass that came their way, and the DC's promising more blitz calls this year. Um, he said it. He said multiple times he's 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 gonna gonna be sending pressure to just kind of take the strain off that secondary. It's a brand new secondary. Six players left to the portal after getting exposed all year. I'm not surprised. Um, so they've they've completely rebuilt the secondary. Uh, so we'll see. You know, sending a lot of blitzes is 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 a, is a good way to get pressure, but it's a good way to get your corners exposed if they're trash. And uh, only time yeah. will tell in North in North Carolina what's going to go down there. It's going to be and a really interesting one. Gene Gene Chizik, the defensive coordinator, with former Auburn national champion head coach Gene Chizik, um, there as the signal caller at UNC. But yeah, Josh, I think that was you hit the nail on the head. Is if UNC didn't feel the defense, maybe they win an extra two games. Like they were bad. They they gave up forty five points to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was a bad offense. Although, I did have the ability to watch them close out the season last year in the Holiday Bowl against Oregon. And the defense looked... No, it it looked remarkably better. Especially in that secondary. I was expecting, like, a high-scoring 49-47 game. I think it only ended up being 28-27. But the secondary was a lot better than I was imagining. And I think it was just because, you know, they, they already played 12 games. They got better down the stretch. Although you can't really say the same about UNC as a whole, losing four straight, especially a bad loss to Georgia Tech, a bad loss to NC State, a bad loss to Clemson, and then again losing their bowl game to Oregon. But I I think the main story at UNC is Drake May. Is he going to be that number two quarterback going into this year's draft? Everybody's got Caleb Williams as their number one. I think some people might try to put Drake May as their number one. I'm not buying it. I think there's still a lot for him to build upon as well. Last year was his first full year as a starter, and I'd like to see what he can do without his top weapons like Josh Downs, and as well Antoine Green, the second leading receiver on that team. But it'll be interesting about UNC. I'm expecting a lot more of the same from last year, maybe even a little bit of a regression on the offensive side. And the way that offense is built is like they will get – They'll put up numbers. They will get guys in space, but I don't think that they have the playmakers on offense to really elevate them to that next level. Where I'm seeing, you know, they won. I think it was four games by one score last year. Most of that is on the defense being absolutely garbage. But if the offense isn't able to answer on one or two of those drives, and that's two extra losses on your schedule, three extra losses on your schedule, it, I, I think UNC is about to see a regression in their in their season and the team that could pounce on that is Miami uh, don't know if you want to lead us off into into what's been going on in the uh, 
down South Beach. Yeah. It's been a wonderful year for Miami athletics. If you look at NBA, MLB is going great right now. NHL had a great time. NFL did pretty well. Even your college basketball team, Miami, did very well. We went to the Final Four. But you look at Miami football, and you're just like, what the hell happened? How was a team with so much talent and so much hype? How did they go 5-7? and seven? Well, let me tell you why. Because Mario Cristobal took over and as Josh Gaz's offense coordinator. They, they were great on paper, and that's that. You know, they had two big wins to start off the season against Bethune-Cookman, and I think it was Southern Miss the other one. Then they lost a close one against Texas A&M. And then they got blown out by Middle Tennessee State. And that's when I think everyone realized, oh, Miami's not good. Tyler Van Dyke, to his credit, did get hurt last year and regress a little bit. But, that man, shoulder injury Josh Gaddis' offense. Almost the whole, uh, a lot. It's a lot of the season it was causing him problems yeah. uh, it was it was visibly causing him problems they've recruited well but again, you, you still gotta be able to adjust to run the ball and they couldn't run the ball last year and i i think that's a bigger issue of miami is you know maybe my manny diaz just left too much um you just left a void in the roster like there wasn't enough talent in that second and third groups to take over for the starters which you know it's hard to blame chris ball for that it's, it's for, it was his first year He's brought some guys in from the portal. He's recruited some of his guys, and we all know Mario Cristobal is a great recruiter. I think the question's going to be is, how is he going to develop these guys going into year two? Josh, translate that year two at Oregon. Yeah, and translate down to the field. Year two at Oregon, or year one at Oregon, Mario Cristobal went eight and four, lost a bowl game. Year two, they went 12 and two, won a Rose Bowl. So I think there is an expectation for Miami to make that jump to at least get you know seven or eight wins. They have a favorable schedule. But can they beat Florida? Can they beat Florida State? Can they beat Clemson? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, but and, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like I think I think they're a few years away from competing at the top. But I do think that we're we're potentially seeing them starting an upward trend. You know, they're going from from a good recruiting class to another good recruiting class. I think they're number seven in the nation in recruiting this season, which is a which is considering what we're seeing on the field and considering kind of the other universities that are on offer, the other college teams that are on offer. You know. That's a they're they're doing very well recruiting wise, um, and yeah. While whilst we potentially see a regression in the other teams around them, this could be the season that they start to try and climb that ladder and slowly start to try and reposition themselves as one of the one of the stronger teams in the ACC. And yeah, we haven't seen Miami reach that national power level since probably what was that twenty seventeen? Yeah, twenty seventeen. Mark Rick's uh, final year at Miami, where they got to number two in the polls, and then they lost to Pitt, and that kind of sent them spiraling and lost their bowl game there. So I think Miami is, a, like I said, a year away. It's they, The talent's not there yet. I don't think Tyler Van Dyke is the quarterback that people thought he was. I saw a lot of people comparing him to Justin Herbert. Not, not the same. He's a very good quarterback, but not quite on that level. And quick quick correction they don't play florida this year they have texas a&m as the sec school but still i i, I don't see uh miami beating clemson i don't see him being florida state i don't i don't even see him being half the acc like th- they're right there in that middle pack but i just don't think that they have the playmakers to do so no and and not to dog van dyke um but 
he was on that Justin Herbert level, they'd have won more than five games last year. I promise you. Absolutely. <laughs> now, someone that might be on that Justin Herbert level is Riley Leonard at Duke. And brings us to our next team is the Duke Blue Devils, who I have as my sleeper team in the ACC. Mike Elko is reigning ACC Coach of the Year. They're returning a ton of production from last year. And get this, their four losses last year came by a combined 16 points. They are so they were so close. They were so close from being 10 wins, even 11 wins, and competing for the ACC championship. I think Duke's going to be really, really good this year and surprise a lot of people. So I haven't I haven't uh, looked into Duke too much. Have they added uh, they added with the portal? Have they strengthened kind of in the areas that they needed to? Are they? I mean, it sounds like they were just on the edge of kind of being a really competitive team. So if they added kind of added what they needed, have they? What have they done? That they're returning a lot of their guys. They they haven't added too much from the portal because it it is kind of hard to bring portal guys into Duke. But I think it's they're returning eight defensive guys and seven offensive guys. I think they're returning four out of five linemen. And they're they're returning their six four quarterback who like a lot of people are saying is the most NFL pro typical guy in this draft. Uh we'll see about that. But it, I, I think Duke's just everything on paper is like, okay, that's gonna be a good team. Returning a lot of talent. They have a very favorable schedule as well. They miss Clemson and Florida State. So they're they're not playing the two best teams in the conference. They might shock with 10 or 11 wins. They just, they just got to make sure that they don't drop those easy games against the Boston Colleges or, you know, the Virginia Techs. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the same the same could be said for, for most of the teams at the top, that top half of the ACC this year. Is you just can't afford to drop those games because they're the ones that really, really cost you later in the season. Do you want to give us a quick rundown on, uh, on Louisville, then into NC State? Uh, yeah. Louisville, they have a brand new coach, former former Louisville quarterback Jeff Brom coming over from Purdue. It's a new era in in Louisville. You know, they lose longtime starter Mikhail Cunningham, but they're replacing him with Jake Plummer, who spent four years at Purdue under Brom, who also spent last season at Cal as a grad transfer. So I guess he's on his sixth year now, fifth year um, as a grad transfer. Um, last year, you know, they struggled with losing some tough games, but they're returning 10 total starters, which is tough. You know, when you get a new coach in, you're going to lose a lot of returners, but you're going to be filling those in with portal guys. And that's exactly what's happening with Louisville. They haven't, it's a portal team. They're returning a lot of guys from, um, other teams, you know, new starting quarterback is, um, from the portal, but Jeff Brom is a very strong coach if you ever watch him at purdue he always played teams tough like last year he took penn state down to the wire they just played team stuff they took notre dame down to the wire you know two years three years ago so it's going to be interesting and i think for louisville and louisville fans especially what they want to see is at minimum you know six seven wins a bowl game but how are they going to beat kentucky a team that's had their number the last couple of years that big in-state rivalry at the end of the year how are they going to find a way to just beat the Wildcats? And I think, to me, Louisville's success looks like you're winning six, seven games with one of those being Kentucky, and then you win a bowl game. I think that's a great start to any coach on his first year with a patchwork team. 
how does their season start? Do you know who they open up against? I will check that right now. Be interested to they see start what, their, off. what their season starts because they could go if they you know if they get off to a nice start of like you know if they go sort of two and zero oh, three and zero oh, through the first three. So a nice position. I think that they have a good opportunity to start four and zero. Oh. They start off week one against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech was a very very bad team last year, but you know they got better as the year went on after they fired their coach. Then they have Murray State FCS team, which sh- you should pencil in as a win. Then they have Indiana in Indianapolis inside the Colts stadium. That could be an interesting game because Indiana is kind of going through the same thing that Louisville's right now is where they've been regressing for the last couple of years. I think Indiana won three or four games last year. Three games sounds right to me. Um, so that is a likely win. Then they got Boston College, which Boston College was terrible last year outside of Zay Flowers. And then they're going to North Carolina State. So those first five games, they're winnable. You can go, yeah, that's winnable. You can go four and one, feel really good about yourself, and then you got to play Notre Dame, which is yeah, tough. But Jeff Brom's no stranger to Notre Dame, so hey, there's a going, good chance that, that if you're going into that, you know, four and one, maybe even a push. Would they be happy with three and two? Maybe they'd be a little bit annoyed if they came into that kind of three and two. But you know, if they're going into that four or four and one or even five and zero oh into a Notre Dame game, not that you ever feel like you can drop a game. You know, they're going to be fine if they know drop that next one going into, and then go into sort of week seven five and one. Yeah, and the good news for Louisville, they also avoid Florida State and Clemson, so you don't you don't have to worry about the two toughest teams either. Um, I think Virginia Tech and Virginia should be easy wins for them. So I think that there is a path to get to that six, seven wins. Yeah. No, I think you're 100% right. What are your thoughts on NC State? NC State, very similar to, I think it's a theme of the ACC where it, they've been playing quarterback carousel. They lost um, their last quarterback, Devin Leary. He got hurt last late in the season. They started off so good last year. I think they went 5-1 and one with a close loss to Clemson. Then Devin Leary gets hurt, and the team just falls apart. They had three very bad losses, losing to Boston College. They lost to, I think, Louisville, and then I have it in my notes here, uh, and Syracuse. So they lost to three of the kind of bottom teams of the ACC, but they managed to salvage their season by beating UNC at the very buzzer at the end of the season last year, but then lost their bowl game. Although they do lose Devin Leary to the transfer portal, they are taking in former Virginia quarterback, um, what, le- lefty Brennan Armstrong. I love a lefty quarterback. I think that's going to surprise a lot of people because he could have went to the NFL last year, but decided to stay for an extra year. So he wants to stay under that Devin Leary um, coaching tree. And I've told you this before, Josh, North Carolina State always plays teams tough especially when they're playing against like upper talent, they'll play up to a Florida State, a Clemson, a Notre Dame, but at the same time, they'll play down to like a Boston College or a Virginia. So I, I think a, a good season for North Carolina State this year looks like you know maybe seven, eight wins as well. Maybe they can sneak one of those big victories against um, one of the more pow- uh, top-heavy teams like a Florida State or a Clemson. They're f- their schedule is – I got to stop hitting my mic right there. Their schedule is not as favorable as some of the other teams. They do have to face um, the, the, the better teams. They have to face um, Florida State and Clemson. 
But here's a fun little fact I learned in my uh, research. They are 16-17 and 17 in their last 17 home games. So they've won 16 out of 17. That's a tough place to play. So if you're getting North Carolina State on the road, good luck. Yeah, that's a really impressive record, actually. That's a really impressive record. And as you say, you know, those teams that, that, that play that play teams close can always go on a quick run of two, three wins that they're not all with two of them being unexpected wins as well. Because if they're always in the game, they always have a chance. And suddenly one of these seasons that they have, if you do that for, you know, three, four consecutive seasons, at some point, one of them seasons, you're going to win more than more than more than the bookie said you'd win more than you're going to beat your over under, you know, for the season because it's uh, w- when you're one of them teams that play people close, it's just it will happen. I played on a team that was like that, and uh, and we we got our fair share of upsets. And that brings us to Wake Forest, who is a team that has a huge question mark next to them. They lost their longtime signal caller, Sam Hartman, to Notre Dame. He transferred out uh, at the end of last season. And it's going to be a big blow for Wake Forest because he's felt like he's been there forever. But the good thing about Wake Forest, in my opinion, is under that Dave Clawson offense, that slow mesh read where you know, the quarterback just hands the keeps the ball in the running back's pocket for, you know, it seems like six seconds, then pulls it and throws a quick slant without any illegal men downfield. It's a plug-and-play offense. It doesn't matter who's lining up behind center because it's while it looks difficult on TV, if you have a smart enough quarterback, it can shield a lot of skill issues. It's kind of like how lesser teams play the option. Um, teams with lesser talent can run this offense, create mismatches either within the box or out wide, forcing linebackers and safeties to come downhill and commit. So I, I think Wake Forest will be okay when it comes to their offense. It's just they just lose so much. They also lose their top receiver, A.T. Perry, to the NFL draft from last year. It, it will be tough. And I think Mitch Griffs is supposed to be the signal caller for this year. Um, there's camp battles start in probably a week or two for Wake Forest. So we'll learn more as the, as the summer goes on. But the issue for Wake Forest is they just have a brutal schedule. They're facing against Notre Dame. Clemson, Florida State, Duke, like it is going to be a murderous row. I wouldn't be surprised if they went four and eight, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they went eight and four just because Dave Clawson's that good of a coach and that offense creates so much mismatches. And then them tough games that you mentioned come thick and fast as well. I'm looking at the schedule now and they go, you know, they go Georgia Tech, then they go at Clemson, then they play Virginia Tech, then they go Pitt, uh, Florida State, Duke, NC State, Notre Dame. <laughs> that could be a real run of a real run of L's yeah. for, uh, for I, I think there's probably five losses there. You look at Florida State, probably a definite loss. They played Clemson really tough last year, but losing all that talent, I think Clemson's a loss. I, I think, think Clemson's going to be probably a loss. Well. Clemson is going to be better this year, um, as we've mentioned. Uh, now that Kate Klubnick's a signal caller and they have a new and revamped offense, there's no way they can be worse than last year. Well, you wouldn't think. You wouldn't think. But <laughs> you wouldn't think. You wouldn't think. Yeah. Crazy things happen. We've seen. We've seen crazier. Do you want to jump onto some key names from kind of the the remaining ACC teams? We're going to go into kind of full deep dives for them. But I know we've kind of highlighted a few kind of key players that we wanted to wanted to highlight uh, going into the season. Yeah. Let's let's jump into the bottom half of the ACC. Let's start off with uh, Pitt Panthers. Pat Narduzzi, the 
America's most upset uncle. That is exactly who he is as a football coach. He called out um, Deion Sanders about like maybe a month or two ago about recruiting players in the portal. It's he's just such a grumpy uncle, but he has validation because all the good pit players get poached from there. And who's left at pit this year? A whole lot of nobodies, except they got Boston College transfer Phil Dracovic, native son of the Pittsburgh area. And this is his third team now, third quasi-ACC. Um, he sucks. He is the worst quarterback in the ACC this year. Watching his film while doing our Zay Flowers breakdown from last year. Oh, my God. That Pitt's offense is going to be terrible. I, I will mention uh, they also, uh, Pitt also lost their top lineman, Kalijah Kansi, to the draft this past year. I don't think they'd return a whole lot of production on defense, so... I, I think it's going to be another down year for the Pitt Panthers. Jumping into another team that I'm expecting a down year from is the Syracuse Orange. They lost their top running back, Sean Tucker, but they returned Spencer Schrader at quarterback. I think this might finally be the year that Dino Babers gets fired. He was on the hot seat to start off last year, but he pulled out some wins to keep his seat a little bit cool. I, I don't see it for Syracuse this year. They're going to be uh, They're going to be struggling. And that also takes us to Boston College, another team I think is probably the worst team in the ACC this upcoming year. They, Jeff, they, they, I'm calling if they didn't hot. have Zay Flowers, they were the worst team in the ACC last year as well. Yes, it, <laughs> Zay, Zay Flowers won them at least three games last year on his own. Um, they're bad. They don't have a quarterback. The, the offense, it, it, they lose their best player. The offensive line was garbage. Uh, I think I've seen turnstiles in the subway in New York with better defense than them. Uh, it it's not going to be good in Chestnut Hill. I think Jeff Halfley will also be on the hot seat this upcoming year. He's got a losing record through three seasons. I I don't see how he survives this season, if especially if they go under five hundred. Uh, Virginia Tech, another team that expecting to be bad. Grant Wells returns as a signal caller, but there's just not not enough supporting cast on that team. They Virginia Tech's been struggling the last three four years ever since the end of uh if you're watching on the youtube my guy beamer right there um yeah i think the counterpart to virginia tech of uh, virginia i'm gonna be honest with you josh i don't have a whole lot of notes on virginia because they're bad also it's they don't return anybody last year i think they went what three and eight three and nine the they bottom half of the acc what, everyone's gone in the pool well, they, they yeah they lost people in the port they lost their top uh, player to Florida State on the defensive side, uh, to the portal. W what's fun about the ACC is the top is like so strong and like feisty, and the bottom is just like dumpster fire. Like th th these bottom Clemson six play no one when Clemson get double yeah. wins every year. It helps when you play no one. Yeah, and Virginia is just. They lost Brennan Armstrong to the portal. They lost him to North Carolina State, as we said earlier. They lost their uh, best DB to Florida State. Um, I believe his name is... Give me one second. Um, shoot, why am I not remembering it? Um, yeah, but it doesn't matter. We'll figure it out later. But yeah, Virginia's garbage. <laughs> Sorry, Virginia <laughs> fans. And then Georgia Tech. I actually think there's reason for optimism for Georgia Tech this year. Jeff Collins was awful. 
And as soon as they fired him, they started winning games. They have a huge upset win against North Carolina at the end of the season that I think gave them a lot of momentum. So I think there's some positivity to be had in Atlanta under Georgia Tech. And there you have it. There's our, at their... there's our first look at first look at the ACC. I'll be interested to go into now before we touch on on another team that is uh, is, is a is a partly we'll call them a, we'll call them a part ACC team. But before we go into them, I'd be interested to go into that kind of everything that we've just said on uh, on the ACC. Who's your top two? Josh, I think we have the exact same top twos. I think it's quite number easy this one year. for me. Yeah, is Clemson and Florida. I see them both meeting twice this season. I see them meeting the regular season. I think it's week four, and then later on in the ACC championship game. Yeah, and I've got the exact same two as you. Um, I, I'll echo Shocker. your words almost directly. I think it's quite an easy one this year. The next question, though, is a little bit harder. You got to pick between them. Who do you think wins the conference this year? This is a very tough one because, you know, everybody's jumping on Florida State. However, I think Clemson, I think it's going to be a split decision. I think Florida State might get them first, then Clemson wins that division. I, I think Dabo is going to be hard pressed to lose the game twice. And I think he's going to have Florida State figured out. I think it's going to be two very fun and great games, but I'm taking Clemson as my ACC winner. And I really want to play devil's advocate just for the podcast, but I have to say, I, I was hoping you was going to go Florida State because I, I, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with you because I'm I, I, I'm, on, I'm with Clemson as well because I, I really think they're going to be stronger this year than they were last year. As much as I kind of want to see uh, Florida do it, I'd love to see them kind of kick, you know, the long-term, the, the long-term kind of, dominating force off of uh, off the top of the ACC would be really nice to see but I think they're going to be better this year than they were last year and I think that they were I think they were better than FSU last year and even if FSU are you know are, are, are getting better I don't think they've overtaken how good I think Clemson will be this year I still don't think they're going to crack the, the, the you know I still don't think they're going to crack the final four just yet but I do think they're going to have enough to win the ACC again yeah Next now question Josh who do you have cool. as your oh I was say, I, I think I just stole your question. Who do you have as conference uh, player of the year? I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. I kind of hinted at it earlier. My money's going to be on Drake May. I'll be putting a little bit of money on Drake May, I reckon, for uh, ACC player of the year. I think he's going to be lights out again. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be hard pressed to find someone who's going to carry their team more than, than, than what we're going to see from Drake May again this year. And, and I, as you said earlier, I don't think he's going to be, you know, the one going into the draft, but I think he's going to be pretty comfortably the two going into the draft. I like that. I like that. I'm going to take a, a fun approach here. I'm going to say Trey Benson is going to be the player of the year, the running back for Florida State. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people, despite that being a pass-heavy offense. Give me Trey Benson as the player of the year for Florida State, out of Florida State. I like it. I like it. That's an interesting one. If only people valued running backs. I love running backs, and I would love to see a running back get an award. Yeah. I'm very high other? on him this year. Yeah, oh, he's going to be fantastic. He's going to be absolutely fantastic. Do you have any other sort of prospects that you wanted to shout out at this point, or do you want to go on to our top five games draft? Um, prospects to shout out. Um, mentioned him earlier, Will Shipley. I think he's probably going to be the second or third top running back prospect this year, behind Blake Corum. 
Uh, he's just such a fun, like, he's a tough guy. People look at him and see a white running back, like, oh, it's just a Christian McCaffrey. No, he's like a power runner. He's not just a speedy, finesse guy. He's a powerful runner. I really like him. Yeah, no, I, 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 I echo your thoughts as well. I think he's going to be a lot of fun again this year. Um, as you say, you know, pass-heavy offense, but that creates a lot of space for these uh, for these running backs. And if you give some of these power runners just an inch of space, they they become very hard to bring down. I mean, not comparing to Derrick Henry, but in a, in terms of same kind of play style. As soon as you give them an inch of space, even if they're not the fastest, they become very hard to bring down. So, yeah, I think he's going to have another big season. Certainly not Derrick Henry. He's not like 6'2", 240, but I think he's like six foot, a solid 200, 210. Like, he's a compact runner. He's good, powerful runner he that always finishes. Yeah, yeah f- falling forward. And he's got good speed, too. It's not just three yards in a cloud dust. Yeah, he's all-purpose back. He's an all-purpose back. That brings us to the next segment, which is our we're going to do a draft format to kind of draft our top five games. Um, I'll give you the honors of the first pick uh, th- this time round, and I'll take the first pick going into uh, going into the next conference. All right, let's do it. Um, so we're picking our five games of the ACC that we're looking forward to most, or of ACC teams we're looking forward to most. And Josh, it's an easy one. It's Week Four, Florida State at Clemson. That's going to be such a fun matchup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's got to be the one circled on everyone's list right now. That's going to be game of the year, and I mean, the only game that it's probably not going to be game of the year too is if they meet again in the uh, in the championship game. I think there's going to be a. I think that's going to be a great matchup and very solid start. The next game that I'm taking is actually a week one game. Very very excited for this one, and it's Florida State playing LSU. And I see you nodding away there. You must have had that one on your list as well because I think that's going to be a fantastic I matchup did. as well. And if FSU come out of that with a win they're going to be that's a serious statement of intention going into the rest of the season oh if florida state wins that game like they did or it should have won last year do you remember how that game ended last year no go on remind me so it goes down to the very wire lsu just has field goal troubles and florida state did win this game last year i'm now remembering uh they have field goal troubles they missed the extra point at the end of the game to tie it just it was an absolute bonkers game. It was also that Monday night game of week one. So it was a standalone game. Oh, that was so much fun. That's a great, great pick. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great one. All right. With my number two pick, this is an easy one for me. The rematch, Notre Dame at Clemson this year, week 10. Notre Dame just embarrassed Clemson last year. That really signified the end of DJU at Clemson, where Benjamin Morrison just flashed onto the scene having two amazing picks. Give me that as my number two pick. Yeah, that's a strong pick. I think that's going to be a great game, and and, and that was going to be my next pick as well. That was the next next big game on my list. The next one, we're going to go away from some of the front runners, and and this is a really interesting matchup because I've mentioned a couple of times in this in 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 this uh, in this podcast that that middle pack of ACC teams is fascinating to me because I just don't know what the order is going to be, and the two teams I really think are going to be fine for that three spot is UNC and Miami. So the UNC Miami game, I'm calling it the best of the rest bowl. I think that's going to be a, a, a really interesting, uh, really interesting match. And I do think who who wins that game will be the front runner to take that three spot this year. That's a good pick. That I think that's a fair pick. Yeah, winner of that game comes to three. For me, I'm gonna stay in the early in the season. And this is a little bit of sicko in me. Two teams that finished below 500 last year, and two teams that 
really fell flat of their expectations versus the preseason hype. Give me Texas A&M at Miami this year. I think that's going to be the benchmark game for both those teams. Mm-hmm. Whoever comes out of that game with a victory, I think their season's going to go on an upward trajectory while the losers kind of be wandering their head. Like, what, what happened? Like, are we doomed to repeat? I think that's going to be a really interesting game because we'll get into the A&M preview when we do our SEC preview, but they're essentially were the same team last year, just minus the co- like first-year head coach versus like a six-year head coach. That's my pick. That's my third pick. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting one. And, you know, both sub-500 teams looking to bounce back. And it's the second game of the season, so it's a major tone setter going into the rest of the season if they come out of that one victors. The next one I'm going to take, I, I have a, I have I put in brackets next to this, is it legal? Because I don't know if this is a legal pick. But Notre Dame Go USC is... <laughs> ah, okay. We, we... <laughs> so... If I knew, hmm, I'll I'll give it to you, just because. Yeah, they're ACC, we but cool Notre Dame. Dame ACC. <laughs> yeah, well, they're like, all right, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I've got a couple backups, but I've got to mention. I've got to give a special mention to that game. Um, I think that's going to be a fantastic. At, at least have an ACC opponent with them. We're we're not doing a we're not doing an independence uh, an independence. Ah, I'll give it. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I'll give it to you. I think that's gonna. I be love a, that pick. I think that's gonna be a great game. Um, and and all jokes aside, you know, I think that's gonna be a, a serious a serious battle. And I honestly don't know who's gonna come out on top. I don't know if you have any sort of early inklings on where you would lean with that game, but I think that's gonna be a real close matchup. According to the sports books, USC is a three point underdog in that game, which is just home field advantage for Notre Dame. Yeah, buy buy while you can, Josh. Yeah, buy while you can. I'm taking the three point. Because <laughs> uh, remember last year, Notre Dame had chances in that game, but Caleb Williams was literally too much. He won the Heisman that game. I I don't see how you know much changes, especially since Notre Dame lost all their pass rush, and we'll get into our Notre Dame preview in just a little bit. But I, I think USC should be the favorite in that game, and I'd expect USC to win, barring elements like if it's a mice mild night in South Bend in middle October which it rarely is um, I would take USC as the favourite yeah yeah I can feel that I can feel that one and, and I would definitely be taking them at, at minus three I quite like that line or plus three sorry I do like that plus line, three but, yeah um, <laughs> them, them at three point, um, three point underdogs for my fourth pick this is a rivalry game and I'm dubbing this the NFL QB hype overload game this is going to be Duke versus UNC. Both these quarterbacks are going to get a ton, and I mean a ton, of media hype in between January and April of next year. I'm talking Riley Leonard. I'm talking Drake May. Rivalry matchup. I think it's going to be a very fun game because you called uh, UNC Miami the best of the rest. Don't leave out Duke now. I, I think Duke can fight for that third spot, especially if they can beat UNC at UNC, something they haven't done in quite a couple of years. Yeah, and, and, and as we kind of said earlier, you know, you think UNC are potentially primed for a little bit of a regression at this point as well, and, and there's a couple teams that are going to be chomping at the bit to kind of overtake them, which is, you know, your Miamis and your Dukes, and there's going to be some really interesting really interesting storylines come the end of this season because we could see a massive drop-off for, for a team that, well, or a huge drop-off, you know, that's, that's 
Because you had a little bit of a drop off, and you could see a real big drop off of a team that suddenly loses three games that sh- you know that you would think they should be winning, or, or or you know some one possession games go kind of in the wrong direction, and and suddenly you know your team like UNC is looking at a three four win season, and suddenly there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on that coaching staff. I wouldn't say a three four win season, but I think it's a bit harsh. Uh, but yeah, a bit harsh, but. They they could be looking at you know maybe their four wins through eight where you're sitting at four and four like oh we gotta win out yeah yeah this game I'm taking to a rivalry game uh, and it didn't happen last year it was the first time it didn't happen uh, since '69 and it is Virginia Tech at Virginia I just think there's going to be an extra edge to that game because it didn't happen last year I just think there's going to be you know a little bit of an extra little bit of an extra edge there's going to be a just think it could be a fun watch just could be trying to not kind of stick with all of the big teams as well through the whole of the segment giving a little bit of a shout out you know to some of the lower end of the ACC you get some real fun games when some of the lower teams match up and what do you think of that one um yeah it you know if you recall last year very unfortunate that the game didn't happen because of the tragedy that happened at uh Virginia with the the shooting happening within like two weeks before that game was supposed to happen and a former player or a current player tragically passing away um and that game will have a lot of emotions in it because two schools have gone through some tragedies, terrible tragedies in the past. So I think those two schools coming together of there'll be passion, but also a lot of love in that game for two rivals. I do like that pick. Who are you going with next? My fifth pick. I'm surprised we haven't had a whole lot of overlap in our, in our picks. I'm going to go. Hmm. I'm all right. I'm gonna do a sicko pick right here because I'm a college football <laughs> sicko. Give me week three, Pitt at West Virginia. Uh, last year that was a stupidly fun game where um, Pitt won at the very end because uh, JT Daniels at West Virginia threw a pick six to close out the game, um, which was just and that was a week one matchup. It was so fun. First time that rivalries happened in quite a long time. And if you recall back in 2007. Pitt ended West Virginia's national champion dreams, and last year was the first year that game has pl- been played since 2007. I think this year, West Virginia is going to be looking to get all the smoke, all the revenge. Pitt's, we already mentioned, Pitt's terrible. Phil Dracovic sucks. West Virginia, Pitt. It's Mark Your Calendars Week 3. It's going to be a rock fight. Football Scratch sickos, that. Mark Your Calendars. <laughs> a, a coal fight. Not a rock fight, a coal fight. That's going to be fun. That is actually going to be a really fun game. I did not have that one on my list. Um, and, and no, that is a good one. I think I missed a good one there. I've got two on my list now. I've got two more on my list. And I think they're both going to be really fun games. And, and one of them spoke in depth about about both teams and kind of the quarterback situation. I think the one I'm going to go with is, is Notre Dame Wake Forest. I think that's going to be a really, really interesting game. You know, Hartman going back against his old team. Is it in Wake? Is it in... Is it at Wake Forest or is it? I can't remember. If it's that at was. Notre Dame it's at and it is senior day for Notre Dame. Ooh, yeah, that's that's going to be, be a special game. I didn't realize it was senior game. That one might have been higher on my list if it, if I knew it was senior day as well. Yeah, that, that's, that's going to be a fun game because is Sam Hartman going to walk out with the seniors of Notre Dame against his former team? I, I think the schedule makers knew what they were doing when oh, they put that game on the calendar. Without a doubt. And um, the other game on my list I give a special mention to was um, was North Carolina NC State. I think uh, just because I think that middle pack is so tight, I just think that, that a lot of those games in the middle of the ACC this year is going to are going to be very entertaining games. I think they're going to be a lot of close games. 
and the last two games of those series have literally gone down to the last possession. Last year ended in overtime. The year before that, UNC blew like a 13 point lead with the last um, like 90 seconds. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game to close out. My honorable mention, I'm going to give you an honorable mention as well. Clemson out South Carolina. I didn't want to lean too into the Clemson because they're already on two of my games I'm looking forward to. But you know Clemson's going to be out for blood against South Carolina, a South Carolina team that's going to be much improved from last year as well. Yeah, no, that's a, I think that's a good list. I think there's a, I think there's more 12 good games in there that, uh, that I'm definitely going to be trying to catch this season. And um, and yeah, I mean, that wraps up our, our true ACC preview. Before we fully wrap it up, though, I don't know if we can uh, if we can truly move on with an ACC uh, preview without wrapping up uh, or without going into some depth about your uh, your Notre Dame fighting Irish. Oh yeah, put on my Domer hat right now for those <laughs> watching on YouTube. Got my Domer hat on. Yeah, the w- step cousin, stepsister of the ACC Notre Dame. If you recall, they joined the conference for one full year back in 2020 during COVID, and they went all the way to the ACC championship. We're not going to talk about what happened, but they went to the ACC championship. And Notre Dame, you know, if you told Notre Dame fans last year, hey, you're going to go 9-4 and win a bowl game, they would have been completely happy with a first-year coach doing that. Now, if you told them how they got there, they probably wouldn't have been as happy with two horrible losses, first to Marshall, then to a terrible Sanford team. That left a lot of Notre Dame fans with a bad taste in their mouth. And they want Marcus Freeman fired after five, six weeks. Absolutely insane. But they pull out some really good wins throughout the year. They smacked BYU. Or excuse me, they won a close one against BYU. They should have smacked BYU. They smacked Clemson. And they lost, you know, a tough one to USC. But they were just outmatched, outclassed, and the refs helped them a lot. I watched the film. There was holding on every play of Cale Williams, but it's Caleb Williams. You can't hate him that much. And then they won a bowl game against a good South Carolina team to finish 9-4. and four. And there was a lot of hope and optimism going into 2024. And then the portal opens. And they lose Drew Pine, their first starting quarterback. Then they lose Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, to Alabama. Tommy Reese, by the way, played at Notre Dame and lost to Alabama in the national championship game. And Tyler Buckner, the quarterback who started the season but got hurt, joined Tom Harris in the portal to Alabama. And we're now living in a world where Alabama is poaching players from Notre Dame for the portal, which is kind of interesting. But they also lost uh, one of their top uh, receivers in uh, Logan Diggs. And that's they lost him to LSU, where he's joining his former coach, Brian Kelly. They got Caleb Smith to transfer him from Virginia Tech, but he immediately medically retired. <laughs> so the big question for Notre Dame is, What's year two of Marcus Freeman going to look like? I think the short answer is we don't know. They're having a new offense coordinator. They're having a brand new quarterback, as we've mentioned before, in Sam Hartman. They returned some good production in the backfield with Audric Estime. He's a true power running back. You're talking like a Derrick Henry style. True power runner last year. It was his first full year as a starter. I like him a lot. They lose their best tight end their go-to pass catcher Michael Merritt to the NFL draft last year but it's tight end university so whoever steps up in that tight end spot I have full confidence in will be a solid tight end because they've sent 13 of their last starters to the NFL I don't see why this will be any different 
Um, yeah, but to Sam, me, their Sam biggest Hartman's loss. Gonna get, Sam Hartman's going to get production out of guys, even if they're not top top receivers. He's shown he could do that, you know, before he transferred. Yeah. So. And it will be interesting, though, seeing Sam Hartman in an offense that is in RPO heavy and that slow mesh read heavy. I wonder how he's going to be able to do in, like, just a standard five-step five stop drop and, like, taking one, Read two, field. three reads. Yeah. 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 I think that's going to be really interesting. And I'm guessing he chose to go to Notre Dame to get that experience because I'm assuming he has NFL aspirations. And if you're talking about a gimmicky offense, Wake Forest is, like, the most gimmick of offenses. You're not going to see anything like that in the NFL. So that's going to be a big question there. And – on the receiving side, you know, who who's going to be their tried-and-true pass catcher that they haven't seen since really you know, Chase Claypool? Um, I think um, Tobias Merriweather kind of fits that mold of the Claypool slash um, – I'm blanking on his name. Miles Boykin is the other one I'm thinking of. Uh, you know, like a big-body outside receiver that can win some jump balls. You saw a little bit of flashes last year, but not a whole lot of production – same with Lorenzo Styles. He's more of that shorter, faster guy. But again, you saw some flashes, not a whole lot of production. The biggest loss, though, to me for Notre Dame from last year is wasn't on offense, wasn't on defense. I'm talking about losing their special teams coordinator, Josh. Losing Brian Mason, the guy who had seven punt blocks for the Irish last year, who schemed with great punt blocking. And they're also a very solid punt team and kickoff return team and kickoff team losing him is their biggest loss some teams won't get seven pump blocks in three or four seasons maybe even in more. seven years <laughs> in seven yeah seasons. in seven yeah. yeah no it's absurd and they were they were a fantastic unit and um and i watched some of the tape and they were they were a lot of fun to watch so yeah i can i think genuinely you will feel that loss you you win games because of special teams you lose games because of bad special teams um yeah that that is that is one you're going to feel but yeah, that wraps up our ACC preview. Is there anything you wanted to add just as final thoughts? I got a couple more notes on uh, Notre Dame. Oh, can't, far away. Can't mention Notre Dame without, yeah, without uh, mentioning, mentioning probably the bat, the second best freshman defensive player last year, um, Benjamin Morrison, the All-American corner. Tr- terrific, terrific shutdown corner. He is a fun, fun stat for you, Josh. He is the only underclassmen on the defense for Notre Dame. Ten of the starters are juniors and above, so it's going to be a very veteran defense with the best player being a sophomore, a true sophomore. I think that's going to be very fun. Uh, I think there's some questions on the defensive front of who's going to fill in to be that pass rusher that Isaiah Foskey was kind of the guy last year. Who's going to do that? They got some good transfers in from Ohio State to kind of fill those filled that void um but what's really damning for the irish is their schedule three just brutal brutal tough games of ohio state but you get them at home usc you get them at home and clemson on the road that's gonna be tough that's gonna be tough yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a rough schedule but this is why this is one like Notre Dame seem to always have a few tough teams on their schedule. They never seem to have an easy season, and I think this is one of the reasons why. You know, when they're competing against Clemson's and Clemson, like the teams like Clemson are playing sort of no one kind of a note, and they're coming out with ten wins every year. Notre Dame are kind of just below them in the win total, but they're playing like a a, a 
infinitely harder schedule. It's they become hard to compare, and and I do think that Noah Dame kind of become a little bit victim to that, just in kind of the the experience I've had from watching the last few years. I agree. But I agree. Some be... of the other games on the schedule, they play at Duke, they play um, at NC State. You know, tough games there. At Stanford, they lost to them last year. Stanford should be shouldn't be an issue for them but we'll see um pitt should be an easy win uh louisville again tough but should be easy central michigan and first game of the season baby navy in dublin that'll be yeah. a fun game that will be a fun game that will be a fun game i'm still wondering if i want to Josh, try I got to get one to piece of trivia oh you got it you gotta get tickets um uh, i got one piece of trivia for you can you name the first notre dame player drafted in the nfl the first, ooh. the first. Can you give me the year? This nineteen thirty nine or thirty eight. <laughs> but I'll give you a big hint. Think, I think I know this. of a f- famous, a very famous writer from your side of the country, your side of the world, shares the same name as them. It's the dumbest piece of trivia question I know. <laughs> I don't know. The only name coming into my head is Shakespeare, but I can't think Ye- of a player. It's Shakespeare. Who's the player? Because the I don't have a player. William Shakespeare. <laughs> a man named William Shakespeare was drafted in the third pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played backer. <laughs> that is incredible. That is incredible. That's the dumbest piece of trivia you'll hear all day. And that truly wraps up our ACC breakdown. We'll leave it at yeah. that. What more can from we British literature, that? from British literature to the American Conference. <laughs> to Let's jump into it. <laughs> That's fantastic. That brings us to our American Conference preview. And uh, there's been a few changes in the American Conference this year. There's been a lot of teams come in, a few teams go out. And uh, I'll have a quick run through now. Forgive me while I look down at my notes, but. Newcomers into the conference, we have Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and UTSA. So they move from the Conference USA, whilst current AAC members, or ex-AAC members at this point in time, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF depart for the Big 12. I think that's, I think that's right. <laughs> Sound right yes. to you, Tyler? Uh, that that's is right. That, yes, that's okay, correct. Perfect. Lost um, three, brought in six. Yeah, so it's, it's quite a big change for the American Conference, and, and it's going to disrupt the landscape quite a lot. There's, a, there's some, interesting, um, some interesting talent moving around there, and um, I still think the top team's going to come from, from Tulane. I still think Tulane are going to be kind of the top dogs there, but you know, teams like, uh, like UTSA are going to start to bring a unique challenge to some of these, uh, to some of these schools. Yeah, uh, you know, you got Tulane coming in as the defending champ. Defending Cotton Bowl champ as well as they beat USC last year in a very thrilling game. Uh, but you have the Sunbelt champion coming in to challenge them in UTSA, who may, I know you probably haven't got a lot of chance to see uh, what goes down what goes down in San Antonio, but that's a fun team those Roadrunners are. They run a great offense. Will Stein, who now at um, Oregon as their offense coordinator, was a great co-OC with Jeff Taylor. They run a lot of um, you know deep looks. Um, vertical passing game with a lot of uh, option running. Uh, Frank Harris is just a awesome lefty QB. UTSA is going to be uh, you know that challenger there. Uh, but besides them, the Americans kind of looking like um, the middle of the ACC, where there's just going to be a bunch of challengers there. You got SMU, 
who kind of had a disappointing season last year when, uh, you know, I think they went 7-6. and six. Well, I think a lot of people were expecting them to be a lot better than they were. I think people expect them to challenge for the top position in the American, but they didn't. Um, you got newcomers like uh, Florida Atlantic, where Tom Herman, former Texas coach, is now the signal caller down there in Boca Raton. You got a new signal caller at University of Alabama, Birmingham, with former Super Bowl champion Trent Dilfer, <laughs> um, who has certainly been a character in the media spotlight. Uh, Josh, I don't know if you've heard this, but in his radio show, or I mean, it's been a local radio show, he said if any coaches try to um, poach any of his players, he pretty much said, like, he will rat them out and call them out and yeah, report this, yeah. them. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he said it in a very, like, gun-ho, like, I'm the big bad wolf yeah. here. And if you try to come for my players, I'm going to come for you. The sheriff of the American Conference. <laughs> the sheriff of the American Conference, Trent Dilfer. And <laughs> Trent Dilfer is – this is his first collegiate job. He was a high school head coach for the last, like, four years – that's going to be a interesting experiment and yeah, UAB is going to be kind of the a fun team to do it with cuz 10 years ago they didn't have a program they got shut down by the University of Alabama Board of Regents but they got brought back in I think 2015 2016 and have done pretty well since they do lose their best running back Dwayne McBride to the NFL draft who I was very high on but Isaiah Jacobs is a name to remember, Josh. He is next really up good. for the Blazers. Yes, he is next up in the backfield. Um, yeah, definitely keeping on him. So keeping on kind of the theme of of, of kind of top names coming out of um, coming out of the American. Do you have a? I've got a top three here. I don't know if your list is much longer, but I've got a. I managed to kind of narrow down like a top three guys that I like, kind of player wise, um, coming out of uh, the American this year. Um, so am I kicking off yeah. with? classic memphis uh, running back position they always have running backs out in memphis i don't know what they feed them out there but they always have good running backs in fact if you're a, if you're a long time fan and you do remember my my voice on the first ever video we released uh, there was a memphis running back in there and uh, i'm not going to shout the name out but if, uh, if if you get it in a comment on the video or uh, or tweet us then uh, i'll give you a bonus point i'll send you a sticker i've got some stickers some tf stickers laying around <laughs> uh, but Blake, what's i'll give it another hint yeah uh well, Mike Norvell was the head coach also for that Memphis team with that running back, so that's a yes, he wants, you tie that all together. So there's yeah. another hint there, yeah. But Blake Watson this year uh, at Memphis, I think he's going to be fantastic. I mean, just the staple Memphis running back, big, powerful runners. They, they seem to find these guys that just seem to be bigger, faster, stronger than everyone else in the uh, in in their conference. So Blake Watson, big one to watch for me. I think another name to watch uh, from Tulane is Jaquan Jackson, the receiver, who was kind of their go-to guy last year. And good size, good speed. I could see him being maybe a late day two, early day three guy next year. I was a big fan of his last year. Yeah. No, it's a great shout. And um, he's someone who I'll definitely be trying to look out, look out more this year because I didn't see too much of him play last year. So there's a name here that I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try not to butcher the pronunciation of, but it's Cam Pedersloo, the safety from um, from Tulane. I think he's gonna be redshirt junior. I think he's gonna be a very very strong strong candidate going into uh, going into the season. Um, 
He's ranked seventh on the Louisiana defense in tackles when he played for Louisiana. He's made 30 tackles from safety. He loves flying downhill, making those hits and, and playing run support. And I think he's going to be an interesting one to watch going into his, what be his fourth year of playing now, I believe. He was, what I have here in front of me is he was freshman, then redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, redshirt sophomore. So be interesting to see what he does this season if he gets on the field. He's got two more years of eligibility left also, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was the big key difference with um, when we went between uh, Witherspoon and um, Gonzalez this year when we were breaking down the corners in the draft was the, the, the guy that had way more reps under his belt was just such a huge upside and it made it really hard for us to pick pick between the two. But the extra years of development, especially at that position and seeing the game develop in front of your eyes as a corner, is it's a huge part of it and, and does make a difference, does make a huge difference in yeah. our eyes. Another name I got is uh, trying to butcher this as well. DeCorian Clark, the receiver for UTSA, Frank Harris's go-to target. I think he's going to put up some solid numbers. And we see so many receivers get drafted in the NFL now that I can definitely see him being a day three guy because teams just want bodies and just want that next diamond in the rough. I think that he could fit that mold. UTSA didn't really run a totally complex route tree. It was based off a lot of play actions and like just getting guys in space. So I want to see a little bit more development in them. And I got to be honest, I haven't seen too much UTSA film this year, but I am slowly getting on that so I can look at um, what uh, Will Stein does for Oregon because I'm excited for that as well. Yeah, no, it's another great shout. And um, and again, a, a couple of these names are guys I'm going to be watching out for more this year and and, and are kind of based off of research going into this season rather than kind of knowing knowing the tape from last year. So I didn't get to see too much of the American, especially in the format it's going to be this year with all of the new teams in there. But that being said, my next pick is uh, is Marcus Bryant, uh, offensive tackle SMU. Um, one of the one of the few bright spots on that uh, on the SM, SMU team last year. So he's going to be an interesting one to watch, and and I think he's going to be one that is um, is is potentially on on a few teams' draft boards. Definitely, and I think probably the name in the American this year is Michael Pratt, the quarterback for Tulane. Uh, he's got the tools. He It's going to be interesting to see what he does without Tajay Spears in the backfield because I think Tajay Spears helped relieve a lot of the load for him. You can just hand it off to your running back and he'll pick you up eight yards. makes it a lot easier for a quarterback. But like, who knows? You know, Aiden O'Connell got drafted in the NFL this year. Like Stetson Bennett got drafted in the NFL. Why can't why can't he, you know? I'm no, here for Michael it. Pratt. That's it. And I think we got one more quarterback, though, that we got to mention, right? I think so. You the man. UTSA? Uh, uh, No, Rice. Oh, we think of Rice. Yes, yes, yes. I'll let, you, I'll let you introduce the man, the myth, the legend. All right, now let's go UTSA first, and then we'll, we'll finish off with Rice. UTSA is uh, in mind, it's Frank Harris, right? Still Frank Harris. So I didn't see too Still much Frank of Harris. him, um, but... But I think he's going to be an interesting one to watch this year. It's it's a brand new challenge for UTSA. It's a brand it's a, it's a brand new and uh, and tougher challenge for UTSA. So moving into the American, so I mean, th- there's there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders because they're expecting big things. They're expecting UTSA to go in there and you know, as you said, sort of Sun Belt champions. They're expecting them to come in and really make a statement. And I mean, in 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 the Athlon magazine, I actually predict them at, um at number two in the in the division and. I mean, as much as I think they're going to be good, that's a lot of pressure on his shoulders to come in and, and, and really kind of mount a charge in a, in a brand new division with, with six new teams. And, and, and it's uh, there's a lot for them to navigate this year, I think. 
and he's a lefty also, which I love lefty quarterbacks, dual threat. He'll be fun. But the guy I'm thinking of, he is by no means an NFL draft prospect. In fact, I think he's getting his doctorate degree right now. And that is JT Daniels, Josh. JT Daniels, if you recall, started his career at USC. He actually enrolled, he graduated high school a year early to enroll at USC and started as a 17-year-old freshman. I think 2017 was his first year. He did really well. I mean, it was 2018. I think it was 2018 was his first year. He did really well. Then he got hurt. Then he comes back in 2019. Does well. Gets hurt. Transfers to Georgia. COVID year. Starts. Gets benched. Or gets hurt again. Uh, some guy named Setson Bennett takes over. I don't know. Um, starts 2021 for uh, Georgia. Starts. Gets hurt. Setson Bennett comes in again. Um, then in 2022, transfers to West Virginia. Sucks. So he's, Josh, if we're keeping count at home, he's fourth school now. <laughs> nearly on the second hand. <laughs> I, nearly on his second hand. Like, uh, the joke is plenty of people go to school for uh, eight years to call doctors. Uh, <laughs> JT Daniels. But good for him. Rice is a great education, uh, great institution there in Texas. And he still gets I'm to play some football. He still gets to play some football. Fun fact about uh, Rice's stadium, they hosted Super Bowls in the past. Do you know when? Yeah. Could you name the Super Bowl? Uh, I want to say it was the seventh Super Bowl, Super Bowl seven. Very early on. Very early on. Um, Actually, I think they hosted all the way up until the late 60s. So I've been like in the Super Bowl, what, 12, 14? If I'm doing my math right, I don't know. Well, kind of, we've, we've spoken about the changes, you know, kind of going on in the in the, in the college football landscape and, and particularly kind of with the American Conference changing. And I want to pose a question to you, and that's kind of, how do you view the the power six versus group of five argument now? Kind of all of the, all of the all of these changes have happened. You know, it's it's a it's quite a different landscape. We're looking at quite a different conference now. Yeah, that's a great question, Josh, because the American always positioned themselves positioned themselves as the power six they're the sixth power team because it was the old big east that you know was a power conference they had a bowl tie-in now it just goes to the best group of five team and when you're losing the best group of or when you're losing the best teams in your conference when you were the group of five cincinnati went to the playoff ucf had an undefeated season defeated auburn in a major bowl game they took lsu down to the wire in a major bowl game and even if you flash back to Houston, Houston in 2017-2018, they beat Oklahoma. They were a really good program, and for a hot second, they were ranked in the top five. Like, they had some really solid teams. But when those three really solid teams leave for the actual Power Five in the Big 12, and you're filling in with Rice, North Texas, FAU, um, Charlotte. Charlotte's probably one of the worst teams. wouldn't describe it as powerful. <laughs> no, Charlotte's one of the worst teams in all of the FBS. Um, I I think this is furthering the split between Power 5 and Group of 5, and I think the Americans slowly losing their argument as being the Power 6, air quotes in power there. Um, yeah, I think this is just furthering the divide, and any good teams in the American in the future are probably going to get poached by the Big 12, or maybe even the ACC, who knows. I don't see Tulane going back to the SEC anytime soon. 
Josh, in case you didn't know, Tulane was actually in the SEC, and they have more SEC championships than Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Missouri, <laughs> Tennessee. South. They have more SEC championships than like half the schools in the SEC right now, but they left uh, because of dumb administration issues. But yeah, I don't see them bumping up anytime soon. UTSA is probably not bumping up anytime soon. Not when they've just um, moved in, I don't think. I think yeah, it's, not when it's, they just it's moved such in. a big change. I feel like this is going to be, you know, kind of set for a couple of seasons at least, and, and then we might see some teams try to rock the apple cart. But it feels like they're going to kind of hang with kind of this setup for the next couple of years at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think a team that possibly could make the move is Navy, just because they have that military um, academy tie-ins, but. Them joining the conference was mind-blowing to a lot of people back in 2014. We'll see if maybe they get a Power 5 grouping. The only way I can see that happening is if they join with Army or perhaps Air Force. I don't really see it happening, though. But something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That being said, there's time to predict division winners. Who, or, let's, do it. let's go top two. Who's your top two right. this year? I think we might have the top two. The same top two, just like our ACC preview. I mean, yep. I'm going UTSA and Tulane, baby. Yep. Yeah, I'm on that train as well. Uh, it feels quite feels quite obvious who the top two are in both of these conferences this year, um, and I think it's quite comfortably going to be going to be Tulane and UTSA. I'm taking Tulane over UTSA as well this year. I think I think they're going to go back to back. Um, I think they're going to do think they're going to take it again this year. All right, for the sake of argument, I'll take UTSA then. I think they're going to come in and be the new top dogs of the American. They're going to win the Sun Belt next year. All right, we're going to win the American. I th I'll take UTSA. I like that. I like that. Jeff Taylor's built. Jeff Taylor's built a force down there in San Antonio. Yeah. No, and I think they're going to be. I think they are going to play them close. I do think. I think the UTSA Tulane game is going to be going to be interesting, and, and that kind of leads us on to. I don't know if you have a key kind of player of the year that you wanted to mention. I don't know if anyone that's kind of stood out on my list right now or, or at least anyone that's clear enough. So I'd be interested to see who you've gone with um, if you've got a name. Yeah. Um, for me, it's Frank Harris. He is a very – I mentioned it. He's an electrifying player. He's a lefty QB. He'll throw for 6,000 yards in the season and run for 3,000. Like he's that caliber of a player. Yeah. He's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, he plays in a gimmicky offense. He's probably not going to get an NFL tryout, but he is a fun college quarterback, and he's going to light the American on fire. And he leads him to a championship, or at least leads him to the top of the division. It could be uh, he he may well get on a roster. <laughs> yeah, I I hope he does. I hope he does. Can we go into our our American Conference draft game draft top five? Games. Yes. So I'm you taking take it away. Here. here we go. Kind of mentioned this game before already, um, but I'm going to take Navy Notre Dame in Ireland opening the season in Ireland. Just think that's going to be a great game. And I'm definitely going to have my eyes on that one because it's close to home for me as well. And Navy Notre Dame is just a fun one. It's just always one I circle every year. Yeah, that was my number one pick that you took that right from me. So I'm going to go with my number two, and it's going to be my UTSA. I am now claiming them. My UTSA Roadrunners. At Tennessee, I think that's going to be an incredible high-scoring game. Tennessee loves to air it out. UTSA loves to air it out. I don't expect them to win, but they might put up 35 on the Vols and shock a lot of people. I think that might be 
America's introduction into UTSA, Jeff Taylor, and Frank Harris. Yeah, that's going to be a great game. That is going to be a great game. Next one I'm taking is is kind of the, the top game that we've spoken about in this division between the top two teams is going to be you know, UTSA at Tulane. I think that's going to be a be a great game. It comes quite late in the season as well, and it could be a huge one for, for kind of conference honours. It could be a huge one for, for deciding kind of who goes into the bowl game as the one seed because I do think that's going to be a great one. Yeah, and interesting to note, it's labeled November 24th or 25th. So may, maybe it's that Thursday of Thanksgiving, maybe it's the day after. Actually, I don't know when Thanksgiving is this year, but and that could and the American operates in the same way that Pac-12, Big 12, and now the ACC does, where it's top two. So we could very well get a back-to-back week rematch of UTSA and Tulane. How fun would that be? Yeah, that'd be a great one. That really would be good, uh, and I think it's quite possible. I do think it's quite possible. Yeah. My next pick is gonna be another American versus SEC matchup. It's going to be Ole Miss at Tulane. That's right. Ole Miss is traveling to New Orleans to play Tulane at Tulane's home stadium. Based off what Tulane did last year against USC and shocked everybody by defeating the Heisman Trophy winner, I think they got in them to be an SEC team at home and be like, yeah, we're still that same Tulane team. I'm here for it. Yeah. No, I love that one. Do love that one. I think that's going to be a fun game, and I've got that one circled as well. Next one for me is going to be SMU. SMU when they play TCU. I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup. I don't know what TCU are going to be this year, and we'll get into them when we get to our get to our conference breakdown for uh, for them. But I think that's going to be a great one. I think that's going to be an interesting game. I don't know too much what to expect from the Mustangs. You know, they could be they could be they can be hitting this, but I do think they're going to play TCU close because I think we're going to see a little bit of a regression from what. Maybe a lot of bit of regression from from TCU this year, and that is a big time rivalry game in Dallas Fort Worth, the Battle of the Iron Skillet. Last year, TCU won forty two to thirty four. So I think we could expect some points in that game. I like that pick. For my next pick, I'm sticking with my Roadrunners. It's going to be UTSA at former American Conference member, now Big Twelve member Houston. How's this for a storyline? Houston leaves for the Big 12. UTSA comes in to take their spot. And UTSA beating them, saying, hey, look what you missed out on. We're better than y'all. I, I like that as a game. I think Houston's going to be regressing a little bit. Dana Holston isn't the coach that he used to be at Houston. Give me the Roadrunners again. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. I think that's going to be a great game. And it's actually would would have been my next pick was, was going to be UTSA-Houston because I think that's going to be a fun one. The next one for me is I feel like a little bit of a cheat again. I feel like I've cheated at both of these because this feels like an obvious one. But Army versus Navy, oh, December 9th, one of that one in Foxborough. That's gonna be sensational. It, I didn't realize it was in Foxborough as well. That's just gonna be. Neither did I. <laughs> in late, in early December, that's gonna be. Sm- oh, that's gonna be a beautiful game. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. Yeah, that's gonna be I a remember... lot of fun. Gillette Stadium hosting 2023 army navy that's going to be december 9th that's going to be a fun one so that's going to be rocking and army navy is it's a standalone game it's always the week after the conference championships where they just have their own special moment no one cares about the playoff no one cares about whatever is going on no it is the two academies battling it out 
literally just running at each other at full steam. It's going to be a 17 to 14 final. Maybe that's high. Maybe that's an over for them. Maybe it might be a 10 to 6 game. I love that pick, Josh. And I'm so mad that you got it. <laughs> for my next one, this is going to be a little bit of a sicko pick. And on paper, it doesn't look that good. It's Rice at Texas. Now, in storylines, this is where I'm going to get you. Texas, is it going to be Arch Manning or is it going to be Quinn Ewers starting? I don't really care. All I care about is JT Daniels getting his third shot against the Longhorns at his third separate school, Josh. He faced them against USC. He fa or he faced them a lot at USC. He faced them when he was at West Virginia. And now he's facing them when he's at Rice. I'm so here for it. He hasn't won, or at least I'm sure he hasn't won any of these games i want the third chance of jt daniels versus texas that's gonna be my fourth pick that's gonna be a real fun game and, and as you said we've got no idea who's gonna be throwing the ball for texas so which, which is gonna yeah. just add to the fire whoever it is is just gonna add to the fire if it's quinn if it's arch if it's if it's anyone it's really gonna really gonna add to it but no it's a nice pick that's a nice pick where are and we now the, uh week cool. one Week one game. Yeah. It's a week one so, game. Oh, wait, that's going to be yeah. good fun. Oh, we really don't know who's going to be throwing my, the ball then. Now, my what? final pick. I got three more left on my board. And no, I I've think... Got, I have I have two left on my board right now. I have two left on my board. I'd be interested to see if any of them are the same. Hmm. Looking at my list. All right, I know who I'm going to go with. A team I have not mentioned yet. Two teams I have not mentioned yet. That's going to be SMU versus Memphis. Because Memphis, a little bit of a run team. SMU, a lot of bit of a passing team. Two contrasting styles of offense, but one guarantees for sure. Points, points, points. It's going to be a scoring fest. Am I going to watch this game? Probably not. Am I going to pay attention to it? Absolutely. Give me SMU-Memphis as my fifth game that will intrigue me. And that was the one I was going to take. That was the next one on my list, and I think that's All right. a good one. But if you're here for points, I think my my, my last game, I think, will uh, will give you points. Um, and I'm going to go with UAB-UTSA. So last year, the oh, game yeah. ended 38-44. And I think, again, that's going to be another another real fun one. I do think UTSA are going to be too much for them again, as they were last year. But UAB are going to pose them a challenge again. UAB run them close every time. So... Kind of runs up our or wraps up our American our American conference our American preview. Yeah. I don't know if you had any uh, any final notes you wanted to add to that. Uh, any final thoughts? Hmm. No. All I'm saying is invest early in UTSA and Frank Harris. That's all I'm saying. Invest early. He's all aboard the UTSA train this year. I am. I'm a roadrunner now. <laughs> neat, neat. <laughs> Okay, cool. So I guess the next thing to do is to just run you guys through kind of what kind of what the plan is for the next few weeks. I mean, as, as we kind of mentioned at the start of the podcast, this is TFU. We're going to be bringing you every bit of college football, crazy world of college football. So we're going to be bringing you games, co the coaching carousel that's sure to fire up in within the first four weeks of the season, it seems at this point. We're going to be bringing you the news. We're going to be bringing you the scandals, the every everything that we can fit into the podcast is going to be coming Um previews and all oh, that yeah. kind of stuff we're hoping to drop every monday through the season all the way up to the final bowl game i think is the plan at the moment um i don't know if you want to give a quick rundown of of what we've got coming up the next few weeks Tyler. yeah so next week we're gonna be doing our big 10 and mac preview after that we're gonna have our big 12 and sunbelt preview or sorry 
Big 12 and Conference USA preview. After that is my favorite preview. It's going to be the Pac-12 Mountain West preview. And we're going to be wrapping it all up with the SEC and Sunbelt preview. And that's going to take you all the way up to, I think, week zero, where we'll do kind of our first intro weekly show, where we're going to take a look at week zero. There's some games going on there. Headline, Notre Dame, Navy. Unless Josh is there, then maybe we'll get him live boots live on the ground. from, from, from uh, Ireland. Yeah, live, live from Dublin. Uh, yeah, and then from there, we'll just be doing weekly shows. Um, probably in the style of recapping the first half of the show being recapping the week before. I just hit my mic again. I got to stop doing that. <laughs> recapping the week that happened and then previewing the week coming up. And we'll do that every week all the way through you know, the end of conference championship. We'll look at bowl season, take a break, and then take a look at the playoffs. Um, and then after that, it's draft season. And if you are familiar with our channel and you've been with us a long time, you know that we love the NFL draft and all these college prospects. This is going to be the place to listen where we're going to be talking about. Yeah. We're going to be going very deep, and yeah, that's, that's what we do. kind of our plan. That's what we do. But that being said, I'm going to plug the channel. Uh, got to plug the channel. Shouts out Thinking Football. Um, go go over, follow us on uh, on Twitter, on on Instagram, on all of the socials. Subscribe on YouTube. We're so close to 100,000. Just oh, so subscribe. Close. I'm going to put it right, put graphics put above, subscribe right here. <laughs> You subscribe to the channel, follow me and Tyler on uh, on on Twitter. Our Twitter handles have been below us the entire podcast. So if you haven't if you haven't followed us yet, then what are you doing? Follow me on Threads. I'm on Threads now. It's at Ty the Guy. Like we'll we'll throw that somewhere yeah, around we'll throw here. It all yeah, we'll, um, we'll we'll thread it. We'll thread it together. Um, subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, that's where you're gonna be able to see these episodes a little bit earlier. You're gonna get a all lot of our college catalogs scenes. on there. Everything's Our entire on there. college catalogs on there. Discord uh, access. You'll be, yep, you'll get Discord access where we're going to be interacting with the fans a lot. Uh, kind of what you guys want to see in the show. Um, you can ask us any questions. We'll happily have a little Q and A at the end of every show if you ask us questions. Yeah, so join the Patreon. Follow us on all the socials. Subscribe. Um, subscribe on all your podcast feed wherever you listen to your podcast. I think we'll be on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, we'll everything. be across everything yeah we'll be putting on everything and we'll be on youtube we'll be vi hopefully video version uh everywhere we can put the video version and audio version everywhere we can put the audio version but yeah unless you got anything else to add thanks for listening guys and um and we'll see you next week yeah take care and next week's a big big 10 week <laughs> <laughs>